This is RCT number 14, His Only Son. RCT stands for Roman Catechism of Trent. We are on page 38 and 39, the Creed, Article 2, Part C. God give you his peace, in nomine Patris, Ephili, et Spiritu Sancti. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and fillest all things, treasure of all good, and source of all life, come dwell in us. Cleanse us and save us, you who are all good. Amen. In nomine Patris, Ephili, et Spiritu Sancti. Amen. And just a couple quick announcements. Thank you so much to all my donors. And also, for those of you who like to follow me on more than catechesis, I think the best way to follow me is on catechesis, on the VLX and this RCT series. But if you'd like to see my thoughts on church reform and state politics, follow me on Telegram. That's an app you can get on your smartphone or even your MacBook Air and probably a PC. Telegram channel for me is Padre Peregrino. Now we look at the Roman Catechism of Trent. We continue looking at the Trinity and the divinity of Jesus Christ. The Catechism says, In these words, mysteries more exalted with regard to Jesus are proposed to the faithful as objects of their belief and contemplation, namely that he is the Son of God and true God, like the Father who begot him from eternity. We also confess that he is the second person of the Blessed Trinity, equal in all things to the Father and the Holy Ghost. For in the divine persons, nothing unequal or unlike should exist, or even be imagined to exist, since we acknowledge the essence, will, and power of all to be one. Okay, so notice right there, we just had a summary of what we've already covered about the Trinity, especially the one divine person of Jesus Christ with his two natures. But here the Catechism stresses very much the immensity and the equality of each person of the Trinity to the point that we acknowledge the essence of God and his will and power of all to be one. Remember, all analogies of the Trinity probably lag, but remember the example I gave, which I think is the least lagging of all analogies of the Trinity, is this, that God the Father is like a flame, God the Son is like the light, and God the Holy Spirit is like the heat, one fire, which is the one true God, but you can't have a flame without the light, or light without heat, or heat without a flame. So also we acknowledge the essence, will, and power of all to be one. The Catechism of Trent continues, This truth is both clearly revealed in many passages of Holy Scripture, and sublimely announced in the testimony of St. John, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. St. John chapter 1, verse 1. So, you know, Christians believe in the Trinity. You all know that. And I admit some old school popes have said the only Christians are Catholics, but I'm going to follow the more broad definition here that anyone who confesses the Trinity is a Christian. Not discussing salvation right now. I'm just going on old school definitions. We know only Catholicism has the entire truth, but at least if you look in an old National Geographic or Social Studies book, it will describe the three branches of Christianity as only three. One, Catholic, two, Eastern Orthodox, and three, Protestant. And remember, under Protestant, we include everything from Baptists to non-denominational evangelicals. Now, a lot of the latter category says they're not Protestant, but again, even if you look in an old National Geographic, the umbrella of Christianity, you have to fit into one of those three, Catholic, Orthodox, or Protestant. So 
Clearly, the non-denominationalists are Protestants, even if they don't like that term. But we don't include Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons in that category of Christian. Even the very broad category of Christian, we do not include Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons. Why not? Well, because they themselves say Jesus was the Son of God, but not God. In other words, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, they both deny the divinity of Christ. But if you ever need to prove them wrong, one of the very first passages you can go to is that very first verse of St. John that we just read there. Now keep in mind, eternal word is an ancient name for Jesus Christ himself. So when we read in the very first verse of St. John that the word was God, that is a supreme proof that we can show to Jehovah's Witnesses because it's right there in the Bible that before time began, the Word was both with God and the Word is God. So what does that mean? That just means that God the Son was with God the Father before time began, but it also means God the Son is God the Word, God Himself. And of course, the love between them is a person that is God the Holy Spirit. By the way, when Mother Angelica started her television network, she named it Eternal Word Television Network. That's obviously a direct reference to John 1 that we just read, as Jesus Christ is the Word of God, the Eternal Word. Okay, and the Catechism again. But when we are told that Jesus is the Son of God, we are not to understand anything earthly or mortal in his birth, but are firmly to believe and piously to adore that birth by which, from all eternity, the Father begot the Son, a mystery which reason cannot fully conceive or comprehend, and at the contemplation of which, overwhelmed, as it were, with admiration, we should exclaim with the prophet, Who shall declare his generation? Isaiah 53, 8. Okay, now, as I said before, Mormons believe Jesus was a small g God. I didn't say this before, but now we're going to get a little bit deeper into Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Mormons believe Jesus was a small g God, but they believe every man who's saved in Mormonism becomes a little g-god with his own planet, also little g-god. And so this is one way they deny the divinity of Christ. Mormons are literally polytheists. But then the other way to deny the divinity of Christ, well, I guess there's a few ways, but the way that Jehovah's Witnesses do this is Jehovah's Witnesses deny the divinity of Christ by saying that, yes, while Christ was the Son of God, that doesn't mean he's God himself. Uh, you know, interesting story for you. About 20 years ago on the East Coast, I think I was in Boston or New York City. This was before Uber existed. I was sitting in the back of a taxi by myself, and the front was uh, a Jehovah's Witness driver from Africa. And we got in a friendly discussion on the Trinity. And just as I expected from a Jehovah's Witness, he admitted Jesus was the Son of God, but not God. And so I said to him, what is the son of a giraffe? He said, a giraffe. I said, what is the son of an elephant? He said, an elephant. I said, what is the Son of God? And he goes, you got me. But, you know, this was more than a word trick. There are about 50 verses in the New Testament, proofs that Jesus is not just the Son of God, but God himself. We're going to talk a little bit later towards the end of this podcast why, what is the difference between being the naturally born and an adopted born Son of God. But one thing, let's pan out a little bit to just general apologetics that we can share with everybody because one of the things I've kind of realized about these verse wars is verse wars never work. We really do have to point to how faulty Sola Scripture is. 
and look at the fact that the Catholic Church produced the Bible and that all of the early Christians were entirely Catholic. And so there's probably some Protestant listeners who just heard me say that and just thought that's, that's crazy. There's just no way it's true. Well, here's the challenge I'll issue to you. Um, if you, if there's any non-Catholics listening, and my email is on my blog, it's on the donate page, you don't have to donate to email to me, but if you can find me one Christian in the first thousand years of Christianity who you admire, Protestants, evangelicals, who did not believe Mary was ever virgin, or that Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist, or that the saints and martyrs were to be revered and honored and sought for intercession, if you can find one Christian in the first thousand years of Christianity who did not believe those things and who you can accurately name as a non-Catholic, again, a non-heretic, someone you admire, then I will not only leave the priesthood, I will leave Catholicism for your faith. Of course, there's some smarty pants out there that might say, yeah, my answer to that is St. Paul. But then I will point you to Dr. Taylor Marshall's book called The Catholic Perspective on Paul, Paul and the Origins of Catholic Christianity, and it proves both biblically and historically that St. Paul was a Catholic priest and a Catholic bishop. Okay, and now back to the Catechism. On this point, then, we are to believe that the Son is of the same nature, of the same power and wisdom with the Father, as we more fully profess in these words of the Nicene Creed, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, born of the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten not made, consubstantial of the, to the Father, by whom all things were made. Among the different comparisons employed to elucidate the mode and manner of this eternal generation, that which is borrowed from the production of thought in our mind seems to come nearest to its illustration, and hence St. John calls the Son the Word. For as in our mind, in some sort, understanding itself, forms an image of itself, which theologians express by the term word. So God, as far as we may compare human things to divine, understanding himself, begets the eternal word. It is better, however, to contemplate what faith proposes, and in the sincerity of our souls to believe and confess that Jesus Christ is true God and true man. As God, begotten of the Father before all ages, as, as man, born in the time of Mary, his virgin mother. Okay, so this is pretty amazing. Back to me here. Christ is one substance with the Father and one substance with his mother. His human nature comes entirely from Mary, since St. Joseph played no role in his generation. And as we just learned, Jesus is of one divine substance with God the Father. So that's so beautiful. Jesus is one substance with the Father and one, one substance with the Mother because Mary gave him the one thing he did not have, the ability to die. So Christ was begotten outside of time of God the Father. That has nothing to do with any, anything in body or even in time since the Trinity is eternal. This is an eternal begetting. And then in time, the eternal word was born of the Virgin Mary Again, a divine person who had a nature that was 100% human and 100% divine. And so that first begetting in eternity and that second begetting in time is sometimes called his twofold nativity. The catechism continues. While we thus acknowledge his twofold nativity, 
We believe him to be one son because his divine and human natures meet in one person. As to his divine generation, he has no brethren or co-heirs, being the only begotten son of the Father, while we mortals are the work of his hands. But if we consider his birth as man, he not only calls many by the name of brethren, but treats them as such, since he admits them to share with him the glory of his paternal inheritance. They are those who by faith have received Christ the Lord, and who really, and by works of charity, show forth the faith which they profess in words. Hence the Apostle calls Christ the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 29. And last few thoughts for you today. So remember earlier we said that the son of an elephant is an elephant, the son of a giraffe is a giraffe, and the son of God is God. But wait a minute, you and I know that I became a son of God at my baptism. Does that mean I'm God? Of course not. But the church fathers do teach about divinization to the point that the much later, 16th century, St. John of the Cross conglomerates their teaching in saying that a man or woman living in grace eventually, if he perseveres and makes it to heaven, and sometimes even already on earth, becomes God by participation. Kind of shocking words, but this is St. John of the Cross who is a doctor of the church. The elect, the saved, become God by participation at the latest in heaven and sometimes on earth. But notice, this is different from Mormonism. Mormons do believe that uh, all the saved become divine, but they're polytheists. We as Catholics believe in the participation in grace that man and woman are called by our baptism to eventually persevere in that and to become, as it says in 1 Peter, partakers of the divine nature. Or again, in the terms of St. John of the Cross, that we participate in God's own divinity. Uh, but even that is somewhat different than what Christ is, of course. In fact, obviously, it's very different. Because here's the thing. At your baptism, you became a son of God, but that's kind of like a small s son. Why? Because Jesus is the naturally begotten son of God, with a capital S. You and I became, at our baptism, an adopted son of God. So let's just go over that again. Jesus is the eternally, naturally begotten son of God. You, you and I at our baptism became a son of God, but an adopted son of God by the grace won for us by the only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in his passion and death and resurrection. It is that much grace transmitted to us at baptism that we must protect. We must protect that grace and nourish it through the sacraments, the ascetical life, and especially a life of ever-growing faith and hope and charity, as we heard in that last verse from the Catechism today, to please God one day see the Trinity face to face. In these astonishing words of St. John the Apostle, we hear what he wrote in his first letter, chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio Deum et potentis, Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Santi, descendet super vos et maniet semper. Amen. <laughs>